Peace of Christ be with you. A casual day today, I'll, I'll be joining the music team, and it's hard to play drums with a dress on, so um, forgive the outfit. As we settle into this place, give yourselves about three deep breaths, not so much to invite the Spirit in, but to invite your own awareness to recognize the Spirit's presence and to allow yourself to be held by this house of prayer. Friends, let us worship in beloved community. We're going to begin this morning simply by singing some hallelujahs together. So we invite you to join us. presence, O God, you are a deliverance. You are the supplier of courage, creativity, and grit. You are the fabric of our good relationships with which you bless us. You are healing, you are are righteous reform, you are resurrection. I invite you to stand as you are comfortable for our opening hymn, but we're going to start with some more hallelujahs.
You may be seated. I want to welcome you here to worship at Westminster. If you're visiting with us, especially a welcome to you. And if you have questions or want some more information and you're a visitor, I, will, I invite you to just look for someone wearing a name tag because that means they've been around for a little while and can help you out. And that's your ever so frequent reminder that if you have a name tag, I invite you to wear it because it is helpful for those around us. Now I invite you now to join me in the community prayer that's printed in your bulletin. Let us pray. We can so easily drown in limiting statements about ourselves. Others' doubts and assumptions about us can become our own sense of self. Similarly, as we internalize falseness about ourselves, we can project it upon others. Liberate us from these cycles of untruths. Help us to recognize the possibility of divine empowerment to do what is worthy, true, and good, and free us from undue fear, trusting in the surety of your promise. Our prayers continue in quiet. Amen. Friends, know that we can be sure about the forgiveness that God offers each one of us. We will not be abandoned. Indeed, we will have continual love and mercy. This is the good news. Thanks be to God. Amen. I now invite the children who are worshiping with us this morning to come join me here at the front. Good morning. It's good to see you all. So I am curious about how many of you started school either last week or getting ready to start school this coming week. Few of you, most of you. Okay. And if you haven't, you probably either started a couple weeks ago or will start in a couple weeks. This is the time for back to school. So I was thinking about this church community and one of the things that I really enjoy and appreciate about this church community is how we pray together. You know, we pray in worship. Some, I know you all pray together in Sunday school. We often pray together when we gather for meetings. And I know that often you all help us with those prayers. Over the summer, we prayed for two different youth mission trips. We got all the kids that were on the trip up here and we prayed for them. I know when we have baptisms, you all help pray for them. So you do a lot of praying on behalf of this church community and on behalf of the world. But so what I wanted to do today is actually offer a prayer for all of you. As you go back to school, um, as you, you know, start up all this new activity in your lives that this fall brings, I wanted to you to know that you are held in prayer from this church community. So 
I know that many of you are here. I also know that there are many folks going back to school who are sitting out there. So this prayer is certainly for all of you as well. And know that as you move through the school year, this community continues to hold all of you in prayer. So let us pray. Loving God, we pray that your spirit be upon these students as they begin this school year. Bless them with wisdom, creativity, and love. When they have days that are hard, O oh God, may they know your spirit of courage and perseverance. May they stick with it. When they have days that are great, O oh God, may they know your joy and your hope. We pray for their relationships, that they may surround themselves with people who support their gifts and talents, people who are encouraging and kind. And we pray that they also may be supportive and encouraging and kind to others. Gracious God, may your blessing be upon these students in every way through every day. Amen. So I hope you know that in every way and in every day, not only is God with you, but this church community is with you in prayer and in love. So today begins the first day of a few different Sunday school classes. We had, uh, everyone was together over the summer, and now you're splitting up by age again. So if you are in second grade or younger, Miss Sharon is back there with a sign, second grade and younger, don't go anywhere yet, all right? Third, that's okay, oh! Nice work there. I'm impressed. If you are in third, fourth, or fifth grade, Sophia is there with her sign. All right. And then if you are in middle school, I think middle school, there's nowhere to go. But in case you don't, Jeff is out there in the lobby area, and he will guide you to your middle school class. All right. Let's go to Sunday school. Walking nice and slowly. Go now in peace. <laughs> go now in peace. May the love of God surround you everywhere, everywhere you may go. We're going to have to have the signs come up front. There's no way that level of self-regulation will be possible to walk on. You know. They know a sermon's coming. And they're... It's great to see you here. One of the ways that we become a community is we check in and we share what's going on in our lives so that we can hold one another in prayer in this moment, but also in the moments between our gatherings. So if you have something joyful to share or something that's concerning or weighing on you to share that you'd like to lift up before everyone, just wave your hand and then speak up when called upon. Please, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Thank you. We lift up Claire Zintak and her family. Claire is, has traveled to be with her mom, who's in her final days. Yeah, thank, please. I want your dad to feel better, too. Yeah, Mark is recovering from knee surgery, and um, we hope he continues to heal well. And lots of prayers for your family. Thank you for lifting that up. Others. That's wonderful. Others. Yeah. Um, I just want to give you an update on 
Oh, great. Nice to see you. Welcome. Yeah, Lynn, Lynn lives in Marin, but her heart sometimes lives in Pakistan. And so um, th uh, she's engaged with some really powerful peacemaking work over there. And we uh, support that with our prayers, of course. And welcome to a visitor. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I don't, many of us are heartbroken about what's happening in the Amazon. I read, I think it was in the Atlantic, that uh, if the species are lost in the Amazon, it will take 10 million years for them to come back, which is 33 times the length that humans have been on the earth. I mean, that's the scale of what we're dealing with. Uh, and it's easy to be overwhelmed by that. It's also easy to just look away, and we're called to do neither, but to stand right in the middle of it and do what we can to be a part of a healing presence. So thank you for lifting that up. Another difficult one I'll name too, and this is hard to share, but if we don't speak of these things, who will? Um, a young man named Ben Rosenthal, who had some connections to this congregation, and as he's in his 20s, uh, took his life off the bridge this week. And um, so, of course, prayers for his family and for those in this congregation who are actually right now at the service for him. And a prayer for all those who wrestle with those kinds of demons and that measure of pain. Uh, it's everywhere, and it is certainly here. So we would do well to speak of it uh, and to make sure that we're helping those around us. And if we're one of those people, to hear loud and clear today that there are people here for you who can help you get the kind of help you need and support you need. Others. Uh, Barb. Yeah. Indeed, yeah, the G7 has just started, and so we pray for those who hold so much of our fate in their hands in so many ways. Carol. Terrific. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, so let me share that one before you go to your next one. So this is a family that we don't even know the name of, but lost their young father and leaves a family behind of brain cancer this week living in the city. So I encourage you to be in prayer for them. Carol, yeah, the second one. Terrific. Yeah. Thank you for doing that, Carol. So Carol gives thanks for uh, Kathy Peterson, Carrie Bros. Who is the third? Who, Sandra Masson, who have been a part of this meal team the last Sunday of every month to bring food in to go out to Voyager Carmel, folks who really need a meal. And... Um, there are many people in this congregation who week after week, month after month, do things to serve, and we want to celebrate them. And we also want to invite others into that service so that we can share the load. So if you've never done something like that before, but like, wait, I could do that. Talk to Carol, talk to me, talk to Bethany. Thank you for those of you who serve. Yes, please, Phil.
Well, we should. That's right. <laughs> it's wonderful to have you two here again today. And uh, yeah, we share all kinds of wisdom here. So, you know, if you're in a spiritual crisis, come to us. If the fruit flies invade, come to us. With that, let us pray. God, we give you thanks for all creatures, great and small, though not always in our kitchen. We give you thanks for the lightness of the community, which also helps us hold the heaviness of our world. So help us to be open to what's happening around us and within us, but not be knocked over, that we might stand in your grace and be a presence for something good and kind gentle, that we might ever be formed into the image of Jesus, who we know as Christ. We pray these things in his name, and we offer together the prayer that he taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. On the nights when the dark nights a little bit longer, when the wind storms a little bit stronger, when the fear in my heart takes a little bit deeper, when I take two steps a little bit weaker, where could one?
From the Newer Testament to the Older Testament, from the book of Jeremiah, the first chapter, verses 4 to 10. Continue to listen for what the Spirit is saying to us this morning. This is Jeremiah speaking. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, truly, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a boy. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I'm only a boy, for you shall go to all whom I send you, and you shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put out, the Lord's hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to pluck up and to pull down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. This too is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. Over the summer, I had a chance to travel uh, back home to where I grew up, and I reunited with some of my high school friends uh, with whom I was in a rock band, fittingly for today, and we even got together and played, God help us. Um, one of the things uh, I noticed is uh, when you get back together with people you knew a long time ago in your life, 
how easy it is to slip back into the old roles you used to have, kind of the pecking orders and uh, the ways of seeing yourself or assuming others see you. This happens a lot when families get back together, for better or worse, right? It all comes back up again. One of the things I've realized since that, or during that time and since the time as we've remained in touch is, you know, I'm not at all sure they saw me as I thought they saw me back when I was 16. But you build this whole world out of really sparse evidence. We craft these stories off of just fragments and and use them to weave these strong narratives about who we are. And then we, or at least I, and maybe some of you as well, allow that to um, really affect the way we think about ourselves and maybe even dictate the choices we make and the things that we think are off limits to us and the things that we think are for us. It's remarkable how powerful we let these things be when they're mere constructions based off of guesses that sometimes later prove to be not true. It's amazing how powerful these limitations are that we either impose or accept from the outside or even from within. Today's two passages from our sacred scriptures are, among other things, about the kinds of limitations we accept or impose on ourselves or others. In the first, uh, you hear Jesus confront a woman. Now, not confront, uh, uh, connect with, heal a woman. And we should be clear, he doesn't deny her real limitation. It says she's been stricken for 18 years. He doesn't say, oh, that's all in your head. No. Uh, In fact, because he acknowledges how real it is for her, he can't wait another day to heal her. He's going to do it on the Sabbath, which is against the law. Jesus, our loving lawbreaker. But he knows it's not the only thing that's true about the woman. Jesus, among other things, basically tells different stories about people than everybody else has told about them. And so he heals her. And the power of that healing is not simply the physical ailment, which is what maybe we rush to. But you have to remember in that day and age, your physical condition was widely accepted to be a manifestation of your inner spiritual religious well-being. So if you were blind, it was because you were a sinner or your ancestors were sinners. And this was divine judgment on your family. Yeah, exactly. So what must that woman have told herself after living with that for 18 years, after all the comments she must have heard from other people? Think of what she thought about who she was and what she deserved in this life. Think of the stories she took to heart that bound her, held her in place, kept her down. And Jeremiah, this great prophet, God comes to Jeremiah and says, I want you to uh, be a a truth speaker. I want you to speak words of healing and challenge, both of which are actually words of healing, to the world. And before God can even get it out of God's mouth, Jeremiah shuts it off and says, oh, no, no, I don't know how to speak. Never mind that God probably has the capacity to give you the words to say if God's going to call on you. But Jeremiah turns off that valve shutting off the flow 
of God. Somehow believing, was it made for that? I'm only a boy, he says. We tell ourselves these stories, I'm only a, and fill in the blank. And it just binds us tighter and tighter. These stories have immense power over ourselves. I was um, in a a graduate program, and one of the students um, had GRE scores that were 100 or 200 points too low in every category to get into the program, but they let them in, some standards, right? That student graduated number one in the program. I won't tell you how I know that, Um, but I share that... uh, (laughs) I share that somewhat uncomfortably, Um, but to prove, um, to illustrate a larger point, uh, every class of every semester of every program I was ever in, on the first day, I'd look around and say, I have no business being here, and I don't know how I'm going to make it through. I have four graduate degrees, and still... That's the voice that I hear on the first day. Stories we tell ourselves about who we are. I listen to a podcast regularly, ostensibly about sports. It's actually not about sports. It's really not about anything. Um, And certainly, rarely about anything profound, which is maybe why I delight in it in this world that feels so heavy. Uh, And it's quite funny. And so one day they were talking about what it was like to be in high school, but not any of the deep stuff about, you know, the relationships and the angst and the stress. But, um, you know, uh, how many classes do you have? Well, you had six. Well, I had eight. And, you know, how how long were your passing periods? Five minutes. And did you go to your locker? What did you keep there? This went on for like five or ten minutes. You you should be glad that your pastor takes his, you know, studies this kind of stuff. Um, And then at one point when they were on this long locker conversation, um, one of them says, oh, no, we, did, we didn't, you know, our lockers um, had sheet metal put over them and were bolted shut. And everybody kind of went, what? And he said, yeah, well, it's before metal detectors, as a matter of factly, and so they just assumed we all had drugs and guns, and so they put sheet metal across all our lockers. He was the only African-American host on the show. Now, I don't know the rest of the context. I just, I don't. But think for a moment what it would be like to go to that school and be told every day right in front of your face, we can't give you a little place to put your stuff because you're going to have guns or drugs. Not we don't even build lockers into the school. No, they're there. So you know that some people deserve these. You just don't. And that story is told to you every day, every passing period for four years. What do you come to believe about yourself? I don't know, but I can imagine being told in so many words, well, you don't deserve those, you're just a bunch of, and I won't say the word, right? Powerful stories that we tell others and then we accept for ourselves. My guess is many of us here could complete the sentence, I am only a, with something. Something you've been told overtly or uh, implicitly, something that you've accepted or at one point been tempted to accept in a way that's been limiting for you, that severed ties 
in real relationships that's limited your capacity to achieve or to thrive. And I don't mean to sound like a cheap self-help speaker. This is not about maximizing your earning potential, though it might be related to that. It's really about being lived into the glory of your calling as, as a beloved child of the everlasting one. And the effect of these things are powerful. In a moment, I'm going to invite you to share. I'm not going to require you to share. Deep breath. If you don't want to share, totally fine, but you have an important job. Your job is to pray that this room become a safe place for whoever feels like they would share. And at the 830 service, people shared. And as we share, we're going to sort of do a visualization to show the, a little bit of the impact that these things have on our lives here. I have, I have here this yellow caution tape uh, that we're going to use. You might see it at construction sites. And it's a good reminder because the stories that we tell, oh, they don't mark off what's under construction. They actually mark off where you're not allowed to do any work because you don't deserve it. That's not for you. Because that tape shows what's off limits, what you don't get access to, what you're not allowed to have. Caution, maybe the word says, oh, caution, this is, um, this is somebody else's. You don't belong here. And we're going to weave this around the sanctuary a little bit. We won't leave it for long, lest it be triggering for people. And some of the sharing might be triggering, so we're going to hold it for a short amount of time, and then we'll offer opportunities for healing too. Now, Bethany's going to come and help me. I've already shared one example about uh, what it was like for me in school. And another, what it was like for someone else in school. So I actually need somebody to stand up and meet Bethany in the back. Can somebody stand up? And you, all you have to do is hold tape. I believe in you. <laughs> Lynn's going to do it. Thank you. So, oh, Sandy's going to do it. Lynn, I'll need you in a minute. So you just stay with Bethany. Keep going. So you just stand there, Sandy, and Bethany's going to keep going. And Lynn, you follow Bethany. These are the lines we surround ourselves with. Now, who else could finish the sentence, I'm only a... Ben, so you want to have, do you, have, you actually have an answer to the rest of it? How you've been? What? I'm only a kid. You're a lot like Jeremiah. More ways than you know, probably. Who else? So we need another, okay, good. Now we need another person to come uh, up here and hold it where Bethany is. Thank you, Ben. Because we hold our own stories, don't we? Yes, Elka. I'm only a stay-at-home mom. Stay mom. How many of us have taken that to heart. Thank you. Do you mind holding your corner up here? And let's go around everybody. I think we can. I measured this. But I'm only a pastor, and I'm not good with numbers. Uh, go let meet you at that corner. Yeah, watch the baptismal font. That could go badly. Who else? Uh, Elizabeth. I'm only a little old lady who has a cat. How many seniors feel this? Yeah, Jane. I'm only a nurse. That's the second time I've heard that today. I'm only a nurse. What else? Uh, Lynn. I'm only a student, and I'm not even one who knows what they're doing. Thank you. Somebody uh, go back there and take, uh, take that corner if they could. Thank you. I saw another hand over here, didn't I? Yeah, Barb. Only a girl. Only a girl. How many, have you noticed how many females have shared? What does that say? How many stories women in our society internalize about who they aren't? 
Come on, guys. We hear it too. Yeah, Diane. I'm only someone who didn't graduate from college. You know what the first person said at 8.30? In Marin, in Tiburon, I'm only a painter. My heart almost broke because of what we've told people who do craft. So go ahead and bring it, bring it forward. We'll just keep going. Is there any left? You're only a dad. Someone at 8.30 said, I'm an absent father. Yes. Uh, any more? One, one or two more. Running out of tape, but not stories. I'm a person who can't sing. Uh, John Bell. Oh, I'll wait till this. Yes, loud. Well, not, not, thank you. Not to get too goofy metaphorical that you hold them both. Um, but yeah, the tearing is a good sound because he's tear us apart. You said, I'm only someone who can't sing. John Bell is a famous hymn writer. He's written a bunch of hymns in this very hymnal. He said, I work with people all the time who say they can't sing. He said, in my entire life, I've met one person who's actually tone deaf. But the problem is people believe they can't because they've been told you can't, you can't, you can't. Okay. Um, One more? Yeah, thank you. Last one. I'm only a middle child. Yeah. That's real, isn't it? Just like your father. Yeah. And that's the beauty when you can tell your story because the person next to you can say, me too. Now, we're not going to leave these here for that long. And I want to acknowledge that sharing this might be a little bit um, triggering for people. In a minute, we're going to release them. So you're going to be freed of that. But something may come up later today or or down the line. And, and you have... Uh, Lots of people here would happily hear you out and, and uh, accompany with you on that journey. So know that. And we're going to do some of the releases in a minute. But let's acknowledge these stories and what they do to us. And project onto them if you didn't share uh, what you've been told about yourself and how you've been separated from one another and what you've been meant to do in this world because of what's been told to you, sometimes by well-meaning people and sometimes not. Now, my temptation was to do this with streamers and then have this moment where everybody rushes out and rips them apart, and then we have this grand recycling moment. It felt a little Tony Robbins to me. Uh, And I'm only 5'9", and my teeth aren't as shiny as his. See, we hide our insecurities in humor and in false humility. And even the most uh, arrogant among us are really insecure inside. That's where it's coming from, right? The bombastic, that's where it's coming from. Um, But I'd prefer us to be a little more zen about it. One, we're in Marin. um, And two, I just like the approach. And so I mean that literally. There's a Buddhist um, who writes a popular uh, uh, blog. His name is Leo Balbauta. I don't know if anybody follows him. His blog is called Zen Habits, which is appropriate because that Buddhism has habits. That's what it has. It doesn't have doctrines. It has habits. Uh, And he has an entry called Becoming Aware of the Stories We Tell Ourselves. And he describes a simple process by which we can be liberated from um, the suffocation and the binding of these stories. His process is really about just becoming aware of them, but it's in the becoming aware of them that we can release them and not be held captive by them. 
So he says this, when you're told a story about yourself, a narrative that you've adopted, do this. First, regard it as a dream. That doesn't mean it's false. It just means it's not solid. You hear that difference? It's something that you're playing out in your head, just like a dream, and it has very real emotional results. You all know that. But see it as a dream and not something that is solid. And see if you can come out of the dream, in his words, to the physical reality of the world around you in this moment. So you might sink into prayer right now. And notice what sensations are happening to you right now as opposed to that dream place. The next thing you do is don't act on that story. Even if you're caught up in it, that doesn't mean you have to lash out at someone. It doesn't mean you have to run away to distraction or taking comfort often in something that's not healthy for you. Just sit with the story when it comes up. Notice how it makes you feel. Notice the physical sensations in your body. And notice that you're caught up in it in that moment. But don't act. Just stay with your awareness. It's like what we spoke about earlier with the Amazon. Acknowledge that there's another way of being where you don't cling to the stories. Instead, you drop below them. And you're just aware of the moment that is without interpretation or judgment or preconception. The stories will come up, but you can simply notice them without getting attached to them and allowing them to get attached to you. And if you are caught up, notice that you don't have to hold so tightly to it. And you can come back to the present moment and let go, which is what we're about to do. The stories represented by the tape here purport to know you and who you are and what you're worth. And they don't. They don't know you as much as the God who whispered to Jeremiah knew him before he knew himself, the God who knew you before you knew yourself. They don't know you as deeply as Jesus knew that woman. And so you can just let them go. And on the count of three, we're going to do that. You're just going to release the tape. One, two, three. Do you feel a difference? It's just tape. <laughs> They're still there. They're still real. They're not solid. As Christians would say, they're not the solid rock on which we stand. You can return to that practice again and again. You can invite Jesus into it. You can invite Jeremiah into it. You will fail sometimes. That's why it's a practice. You return to go easy on yourself. Return to it time and again. You can go back as far as you want into your biography to reclaim the you that was taken away by someone else or something else. And you can hear in every breath to you God's whisper. Don't say, I'm only A. Amen.
and figure out our chords amongst the Kashi. I know whenever I find myself with some of those limiting narratives, I always like to remember the God for whom all things are possible, our God who does impossible things. That's what this song is about.
You may be seated. So I think you can tell that the, the fall and the school year is among us as our list of things happening here at the church is getting longer in the bulletin. So I do encourage you to take a look at what is happening here in the life of the church. I have several to highlight. Uh, first, this afternoon, 1 o'clock, I hope you might join us for the San Rafael Pacific's baseball game. It's their last regular game of the season. Um, you're invited to just buy your general admission tickets and meet us there. We'll find a place to, to sit together, but it should be some fun at the Pacifics game this afternoon. Um, next week, Wednesday, there is a movie screening in Berkeley. Um, I've been interested in it because one of my ministry colleagues is actually starring in this documentary. It's called American Heretics, The Politics of the Gospel. And my friend says it is certain to be very thought-provoking um, as it looks at different pastors and different churches who are sort of, you know, figuring out amongst themselves how they live the gospel in the world. It is over in Berkeley, but we're going to meet here at the church in Carpool. If you're interested, see me. I'll tell you how to get tickets and arrange the carpool. That's next Wednesday next week, September 4th. Um, our in-gathering is coming in two weeks, uh, the amazing brunch hosted by our Congregational Life Commission. That is really the moment where we just sort of welcome each other back into our fall, our regular scheduled activities. If you have a friend that you've been thinking you might want to invite to the church, that's a wonderful Sunday to, to bring them along and enjoy worship and then the in-gathering together. Same day, our high school confirmation class begins. If you are are a high schooler or know a high schooler who has not yet participated in that, we're going to have our first intro class after the in-gathering brunch. Uh, two more. Um, many of you have been very generous in um, bringing items to donate to the Tiburon Thrift Shop, and we've had a bin out here under the stairway for many years. Um, in preparation for our upcoming renovation, where we're not going to have that space, the bin is actually going to go away next month. Um, so you're still absolutely encouraged to donate to the Tiburon Thrift Shop, um, but you're invited to actually take your items directly to the thrift shop because our bin will not be here anymore. Finally, um, after the, the shooting in El Paso, um, a few of the teachers in that community sort of sent a message out, you know, as they were thinking about their students coming back to school, they were really wanting their students to know that they were loved and cared for, not only by the El Paso community, but by sort of the communities at large. Um, and those teachers were asking for postcards to be sent to the school, just with messages of love and affirmation. So if you're interested in, in writing a postcard to the El Paso students, in our Finley Hall area, we have a table set up with some blank postcards, um, and you're welcome to just write a message on there, and then this week we'll gather them all together and send them out. Uh, so just look for that table over by the coffee area in Finley Hall. All right, with that, I invite you to stand as you are comfortable for our closing hymn, it is number 691. Oh. Uh-huh. 
as you do exit, I ask that you exercise caution, no pun intended, uh, lest we trip over what we've done today. And since we've spent some time sinking into what's not true about us, hear a few things that are true before you go. That you are beloved, that you are remembered, that you are connected, that you're capable, that you're whole, that you're wise, that you're strong, that you have a place that the world would be different without you, that you are beloved. And as you go from here, may you go with the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God who is father and mother of us all, and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.